Good morning, everybody. And uh, Bruce and Anne, don't fear. I went. I left home at 19 for three months, actually for six months, and came home three years later. And the moral of it is, I came home. You see. Um, I just would like to start by saying thank you to um, for all the people who have been praying for Melinda this week. We have spent uh, copious hours at the hospital at emergency and uh, in fact every day or part thereof except Thursday and um, so if you could just continue to pray for her and uh, for comfort and uh, for a place for surgery. So um, she should have had emergency surgery Tuesday night but nobody could make a decision so, um, so if we could uh, get that happening, that would be really good. The other thing is Liz Pfeiffer. Um, a lot of you will know Liz. She's been coming here for about the last four to five months and uh, is with uh, SIL Wycliffe. Uh, she's from uh, Warrigal originally but has been living up here. And, um, and during the week her mum was diagnosed with breast cancer quite advanced and will be into surgery this week. So pray for Liz and, and also obviously for, uh, for mum and the family as well. So, uh, so anyway, it's been a week. Boy, has it been a week. But what an amazing passage of scripture that we're going to look at today. The first chapter of the Bible and the beginning of chapter 2 and really those first three verses of chapter 2 should be in chapter 1. But those people have far more wisdom than I do and they put it there for various reasons. But it starts off with, in the beginning, God. Who has started the small groups? Yeah. Okay, yes? Just a couple, that's it. Uh, and uh, I bet you, start, you enjoyed the beginnings of this and I, uh, I just want to say to people, if you're not in a small group, please get in the small group because I believe that this study in the first 11 chapters of Genesis is going to be excellent. And I want you to make sure that if you have any questions along the way that are just niggling away there but you don't want to ask, please ask them in your small groups. Because that's what small groups are about. It's not so easy to do in, in this format, but that's what small groups are about. And if you've got any questions and you're just not quite sure about this or that, ask your leader. And, uh, and I'm sure that the discussion will be such that other people will be saying, I'm glad you asked that question because I really wanted to, and, uh, but I couldn't do it, so please do it. God was and is and always will be as he always was. Isn't that reassuring? Isn't that awesome? God is and always, God was and is and always will be as he always was. This passage is not so much about creation. Even though people commonly use it as the, the standard to, uh, to barrack against evolution, that's not really what it's all about. This passage is about God. The majesty and the mystery of God. There have always been stories, ancient stories in various cultures about creation and the multiples of gods involved in it. 
That's always been the case. And in fact, before Moses wrote this chapter, the children of Israel would have heard many, many, many of those stories. The writer of Genesis, as in Moses, given to him by God, was not trying to create another creation story, but rather to speak in a foundational way to the children of Israel and then all who would read this passage, speak of the majesty of God. This passage is far less about anything to do with creation it is about God. In this passage, this passage inspires writers like the psalmist who wrote the psalm 104 verses 1 to 4. Praise the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You wrapped with, sorry, you are clothed with splendour and majesty. He wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent, lays the beams of his upper chambers on the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He rides on the wings of the wind. He makes, makes the wind his messengers, flames of fire his servants. The hymn writer, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. This chapter is the foundation of the thoughts and the hearts of those who have written throughout history all of those words. This chapter gives foundation and permeates throughout every chapter of the scriptures. The writer also does not try to give details of creation as he goes through that we may love to know. Well, he he seemed to have no interest in the discussion about time scales or the physics of that first three minutes. When we consider evolution, they say that in the first moments, if anything had gone different to what it was, we we couldn't exist (laughs) in the first very few moments. Uh, But the writer doesn't give any of those details here, doesn't answer any of those questions, in fact, doesn't even mention it. He just says what? God said... And it was. How did God create light before the sun? He was not interested in these questions for it's not the purpose of the passage. This is, not, this is about the majesty and the mystery. The writer is happy to leave us with these mysteries for this is God. And as I've said before, we may think, well, they're questions that I've got for God when I see him. Well, I can fairly safely say, I believe that you won't be interested in that when you see God. It's not the first thing that will come to your mind when you see God. Unlike the theory of evolution, God is all about order. There is no randomness associated with this creation. 
It showed a careful plan and an order to that plan. It shows amazing creativity, probably even more than Tara. Definitely more than me. It showed purpose and a future. And this is why it is so important that the original readers, when, for the original readers, when times were so difficult for those children of Israel, that God was in control, he had a plan, he was committed to bringing to fulfilment his purposes and plans. And this showed that through the majesty of God, he alone was able to fulfil those plans. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and it was void. Darkness was on the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Here we see the triune God at work. The Holy Spirit bringing creativity to chaos. The Father creating through the Son, according to Colossians 1.16, which says, For by Him all things were created things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him, talking about Jesus. We see that the order of God being played out in this passage, formed from chaos, a clear pattern emerges, a pattern formed around six days leading to the seventh. Day one, light and dark corresponding with day four when he set in place the sun and moon. Day two separates the waters of the sky to the waters below and then on day five he creates the birds to fly in the sky, the sea monsters and the fish to swim in the sea. Day three sees him separate the dry ground from the sea and gives fertile vegetation and then on day six he sees him create animals to inhabit the earth and human beings to have dominion over all creation. The first three days set the context and the following three bring it to life. You know, sometimes when we see Rob paint, we'll see him put the outline there first and then as he adds the colour to it all, don't those those pictures come to life as we see them form. God created... Bara is the word. And the word means out of nothing. I'd like to read just a few verses from the, from the New Testament. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. John 1.3. Colossians 1.16. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, Rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Romans 11.36 For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And Hebrews 11.3 By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. The interesting thing about the word bara is that in the New Testament, this word is also used for salvation. The God who creates also recreates. The God who creates. That plan in the beginning which formed, but then 
was affected by sin. Here in the New Testament, this God who had a plan continues to fulfil that plan and that same word is used for salvation for you and for me. Once again, a God of order. So God created the heavens and the earth or as the Nicene Creed puts it, all that is seen and unseen. There is far more to creation that the human eye can see. The majesty of the universe that we can't even comprehend right down to the nanoparticles that most of us know nothing about. Man is only now discovering, discovering things about cells or organisms that have been there from the beginning but only now is there a technology to see them, whether in space or in the human body. And the earth was formless and void. God started with the building blocks and formed them into all that he desired. As with all building jobs, the initial job on the site is to bring together all that's needed for the job. These don't at all look like the finished product, but are the beginnings of the project. It was like the marble block ready for the sculptor to carve away the stone to reveal what he has perceived. And so it was with God. He created, then he formed. As we said before, the Spirit of God moved across this formless earth and created from the thoughts of God. As Calvin said, It is the spirit who everywhere discussed sustains all life, causes them to grow and quickens them in heaven and in earth. Well, Maltman says in his book God in Creation, the spirit creates the community of all created things with God and with each other, making it that fellowship of creation in which all created things communicate with one another and with God each in its own way. Creation is a symbionic being. We rely on each other but you can see the hand of God that put it all together in the beginning. This chapter thus brings brings together the creative, intimate, animating spirit of God and the creative, penetrating, commanding word of God. Of all of us Christian people, who are God's new creation, the New Testament rites of our birth by the Spirit. And in another place, through the Word. In us, as in creation, the work of the Spirit through the Word brings life where there is no life, brings the possibilities of growth and fulfilment where before there was only waste. God's creative relationship with his world is one of intimacy and yet of commanding power. And so God created according to their kinds. You know, the general theory of evolution states that all things come from a primordial soup. The single source of all living forms that evolved into all the various species we now know. This passage tells us that God created all things according to their kind. There is no doubt that evolution has taken place to bring about many species within kinds. Look at him, uh, sorry, uh, look at the, uh, the breeds of dog that we have and, uh, and even in the, the variants in the human race around the world, that, that is without question. But God created everything within their kind. 
There is no accident in this. God created the ability for this in the original kind. Verse 16 is an interesting one. It says, He made the stars. Job 9, 8 and 9, he says, He alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. He is the maker of the bear and Orion, the Pallades and constellations of the south. Have you ever seen some of the... uh, Was that you, Ron? Something you're eating? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Oh, well... Oh, yes, that's right. Older folk with technology. Anyway... Statistics of the universe, sorry Dale, statistics of the universe are beyond my comprehension. They are. You imagine 100,000 light years across our galaxy alone. Two million light years to the Andromeda galaxy, one of our near galactic neighbours. There is something like 100 billion other galaxies. Can you get your head around that, David? No, no. Anyone able to just explain all that to me? It's not a simple thing. The universe, the more they realise, the more they see with the technology of these amazing telescope systems and that new one that's being built, which will have an array of a kilometre or something or other. Is that right, that new... Just amazing what they're going to be able to see. What Hubble was able to show them as it travelled through space. The little rover that's on Mars at the moment. Yes, for many of those people, the purpose of what they're trying to do is disprove God. But the reality reality is the more they discover, the more they realise there was no randomness about it. It's awesome. And the majesty of God is displayed in the universe. And verse 26 goes on to say, And God made man in his image. The steady progression of the first 25 verses leads to the high point in verse 26. God here chooses to use the plural, Let us make man in in our image. Let us make man in our image. There is much discussion amongst theologians about the meaning of in our image but I'm a fairly simple person. Man is created as a relational being as is the Godhead. Man is created with attributes found in the Godhead although tainted and suppressed by sin. Man was created for relationship with God, seen in the garden and now restored through Jesus Christ, not just as a created being, but that of a son. God knew from before creation that sin would come into the world, man would fall out of relationship with him and that the need of a saviour would be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. In an act of majesty and yet mystery, unimagined in the universe. (coughs) Through his Son and by the Holy Spirit, God then recreated his creation.
<coughs> God saw what he had created and it was very good. It was very good. We can sometimes dwell on the fact that we are sinners. And many preachers over the years have dwelled on this area. But we are created by God, declared to be very good, infected by sin, removed from relationship with God, saved by grace, brought back into relationship with God, declared righteous through Jesus and recreated as his children. Is that awesome? What a journey for God. Created and declared good. (coughs) Infected by sin, removed from relationship with God, saved by grace, brought back into relationship with God, declared righteous through Jesus Christ and recreated as children of God. Created and recreated. What's not to like about that? And that Spirit of God who hovered over the waters of the deep, (coughs) that same Spirit that through whom God created (coughs) now dwells in the hearts of man. Isn't that awesome? Now you tell me how does that work? You'd know, Chris, you're a school teacher. Oh, prim- I just primary, okay. <coughs> when you grow up, you'll be a high school teacher. <coughs> Chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. And God rested. He sat back and enjoyed his creation. He sat back in fellowship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He created space for himself and he seeks to create space for us to fellowship with him. Folks, as we look at this overview of Genesis 1, 1 to 2, 3, we see a majestic God who as he looked out over space, had a plan there not just in his mind but in his heart. A love relationship unfulfilled brought about in community Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And we were the pinnacle of that creation. Of all the other, he said it was good. Of us, he said it was very good. And as a journey of man, (coughs) and especially the children of Israel, as they journeyed through life, at times asking what is the meaning, to have this chapter, to have this chapter placed into their hands to show There is meaning, there is purpose, there is order, there is a plan. And for us who are bombarded through the media of, uh, and especially at the moment with the the atheists, 
uh, trying desperately to say there is no God, there is no order, there is no plan, we just are. This is the foundation for us to stand on day by day when we get up in the morning and we seek to go to work or to go and do this or that or whatever that we can know established in our huts that God planned me and my life from the very beginning and I have purpose. I am very good. Because of what I've done? No, because I was created by the majesty and the mystery of God. I was created from the thoughts of the Father, the creativity of the Holy Spirit, all done through the Son. Now if that doesn't give you something to get going in the morning, then I don't know what does. And then, and then, could you imagine the, confront, the, the, sorry, the conversation that may have happened in the heavenlies when God revealed his plan that that same son was going to come to bring us back into the relationship that he desired of us, planned from the beginning. And through, once again, the plan of the Father the work of the Holy Spirit and the obedience of the Son, we now can have relationship with him. Not just as a created being, but as a child of God. That's awesome. That's majesty. But what a mystery. What a mystery that God would want me. But he does. He does. You may not want, but only God does. God wants me. Let me pray. Father, as we look at this chapter and as we study it more in our small groups, I just want to thank you that you show us things that are amazing in it. Your majesty and the mystery of your creation. Father, there are so many things that we don't have answers to but we don't need them because we may not not know about creation but we know the creator. With some of the artists that we have in this building here today, I, I don't know how they do what they do but I can sure enjoy the finished product. And I can enjoy relationship with the Creator. And so it is with you, Father, that there's so much about creation that I don't know. But I can sure enjoy what you've created and I can enjoy relationship with you. But Father, that mystery, that why I can enjoy relationship with you that you chose to bring, to give your son as a sacrifice for me. Father, today, 
I want to thank you for it. I don't completely understand it, why you would do that. But that does, that's, not the, that's not the point. You have and I thank you. I thank you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you.